Welcome to Priming, where we find simple techniques to help address modern problems for our primitive bodies. Today, we'll be discussing creatine supplements. Supplements are commonplace here in the United States. Almost all supplements proclaim to offer some benefit, whether it's improving performance, improving metabolism for weight loss, or enhancing beauty, while most seldom live up to their claims. Being largely unregulated and hard to hold accountable for deceptive practices or claims, Supplement companies stand to gain much while not having to bother with actually providing results, assuming their product doesn't actually bring harm, that is. However, supplements continue to be a thriving business because there are products and compounds that do confer benefit. Today, we're going to look specifically at creatine. Does it work? How much is needed to be effective? Is there timing involved? Can you consume too much? Does it make you fluffy? We will find out today. My name is Andrew Pafford, and I'm a health and wellness professional with over a decade of experience helping Olympic-level athletes, desk jockeys, and seniors achieving their goals and improving their quality of life. Our goal with Primity is to find simple, at-home techniques and strategies rooted in science to help you with your health-related goals. Our information is meant to be descriptive, not prescriptive. We will always recommend that you talk to your appropriate health professional before making any serious changes to your routines. Now, setting the stage. Creatine is a compound that your body already makes. It plays a couple pivotal roles in energy metabolism. For starters, it is the primary energy source in many explosive movements by way of bonding with phosphate to form creatine phosphate or phosphocreatine. Creatine itself is a stable compound, so it is energetically easy to knock off the phosphate bonded to it. And when chemical bonds are broken, energy is released. This means creatine can create a lot of energy very quickly, making it ideal for explosive movements. This also means it is depleted very quickly, and thus why our explosive movements tend to become less explosive after about 10 seconds or so, depending on your level of training. This is important to remember because this is one of the main factors why creatine is sought after as a supplement. If I can be more explosive in my training or weightlifting, I can not only improve my performance, but I can also become more efficient with my training in hopes that I can get stronger in that regard as well. If I'm able to train harder, I'm able to get more gains. Creatine is also formed from the amino acids glycine, arginine, and methionine in the liver. This means that the body is quite capable of producing its own endogenous creatine, provided, of course, there's enough amino acids to go around. But for our purposes, what of exogenous creatine? Or rather, can we absorb creatine made outside of the body? Indeed, yes. The literature shows the body is quite capable of absorbing creatine directly through the small intestine and into the bloodstream. This very quickly answers one question of whether our bodies are even able to absorb creatine in supplement form or from dietary sources such as meat. Now that we can supplement creatine, how much is enough? Body weight plays a role, as is the case with most other medications and supplements. And additionally, how much of a rush are you in? Like most exogenous compounds, it takes time for the levels inside the body to rise to an effective dose. As such, many starting creatine will go through a loading phase where they will, make, they will take larger doses of creatine to help raise the levels inside the body and then switch to a maintenance phase to simply maintain those levels. 
The data shows approximately 0.3 grams per kilogram per day for about five to seven days is adequate for a loading phase. The maintenance phase then drops to 0.03 grams per kilogram of body weight per day, with which the maintenance phase can then last for weeks at a time. If you aren't in a hurry, it is possible to simply take the maintenance dose in the very beginning, and creatine levels in the body will eventually rise to the same levels as if you had gone through the loading phase, albeit it'll take a little bit longer. While we're on the topic of phases, there is one point I would like to make in order to play devil's advocate. As is with most things, most things in the body, our bodies like to maintain balance. Having too much or too little of anything can be detrimental, so our bodies are constantly engaged in what we call dynamic homeostasis of just about everything in our body. That said, one concern is that our bodies like our creatine to be at a certain level, and playing God, so to speak, means that the body will act in ways to bring those levels back down. Namely, it might stop producing its own endogenous creatine production as an act to correct creatine levels. If you are making them higher than they already normally are, your body will try to find ways to bring it back down. There are some concerns floating around in the science community that if creatine is supplemented for too long, the body could cease its own endogenous production long enough that you might stop making it, period, even if you come off of the supplements. Now, that is a very doomsayer scenario. There's no literature that proves that this is what happens. In fact, there are some pieces whose participants supplemented for a number of years, albeit cyclically, whose blood and urine markers were screened and showed no abnormal levels than what was expected provided the dose or the phase that they were in. But as a wise man once said, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. So I would suggest adding a little cautionary wisdom to your usage. Most athletic or training programs include a rest or a deload week. This would be a great time to cycle off creatine and let your body get its own production going again just to make sure everything works fine. Worst case scenario, you save a little money on the days that you aren't having to supplement, and then you perform a loading phase when you get back to your training the next cycle, and your normal bodily functions are just fine. <clears throat> so, further on the topic of safety of creatine dosage, namely, are there negative effects from consuming too much? Once creatine has lived out its useful life, it eventually breaks down into creatinine, which it then works its way into the blood and is eventually filtered out by the kidneys and excreted through your urine. Scientists and doctors are able to measure these creatinine levels to help determine your kidney function. So it stands to reason if someone is supplementing with creatine, they will eventually have more creatine turning into creatinine and therefore will be excreted so we can expect to see higher levels. This, of course, means there is technically an increased demand on the kidneys as they will be needing to squeeze out more creatinine in order to keep the body functioning. So can consuming too much creatine be harmful to the kidneys? The data that currently exists shows promising info that kidney function does not alter under extended use of creatine. What's more, subjects in the study were on a high-protein diet another lifestyle that is purportedly touted to be hard on the kidneys. 
Yet even with both being in play, the kidney's function reported no change. This would alleviate some concern about supplementing with creatine and hopefully being on a high-protein diet. Now, another interesting tidbit is creatine also supposedly causes one to retain water. Not a serious health concern, but nonetheless, information that seems to pop up quite frequently out on the internet, so individuals care enough to share, so we care enough to find out. The literature does indeed show that the body does hold more water in the cells, especially during the loading phase of creatine. In certain sports where making weight is important, planning your creatine supplementation around weigh-ins may be important and thus crucial to know. Now, we've discussed a lot of the finer points and some of the myths about creatine. Is it even absorbed? How much does one need to take? Can it cause harm with extended use? Can it make you fluffy by holding on to extra water? But we've yet to really discuss, does it work? Is it even worth it? Well, the resounding answer is yes. We found one piece of literature that sought to sample all of the current literature that they could find and examined 300 different studies and experiments and found that 70% of the studies showed creatine did have a significant effect on strength gains, weight gain, specifically lean mass, so it's not going to make you fat, and performance in high-intensity exercises. Note, high-intensity, not long aerobic exercise. This, in my eyes, would say that, yes, supplementing with creatine could very well be a smart move when considering one's physical fitness routine and goals. And while I don't typically tout supplements and usually encourage people to find more organic means of achieving their ends, I wanted to discuss this today to also make light of another area of concern for individuals that might, may be shying away from meat and animal products. Remember, even though that we can produce our own creatine, we have to have adequate levels of glycine, arginine, and methionine in order to produce it. Since many plant products are already low in protein and subsequently amino acids, and people who are under ve vegan or vegetarian are not consuming meat and getting creatine from animal sources, making it exogenous protein, this would prove to be a smart option to potentially supplement into your regimen, especially if you're trying to become a competitive vegan athlete. In general, it wouldn't be a bad idea either to help maintain lean mass for those practicing veganism or vegetarianism. Now today, we discussed a great deal in a short amount of time. Not only does creatine have a critical role within the body, but also its effectiveness as a supplement. So let's go over some of the highlights today. Creatine is essential for proper muscle functioning and metabolism. Our bodies can produce our own endogenous creatine, but we can also absorb it through diet like eating meats or consuming supplements. Creatine is typically taken through a loading phase of 0.3 grams per kilogram of body weight per day for five to seven days, and then tapered to a maintenance phase of 0.03 grams per kilogram of body weight per day for as long as needed afterward. The loading phase can be skipped. It will just take longer for the creatine levels to get high enough in the body to see benefit. Creatine dosing at the levels mentioned does not appear to have an effect on the kidneys, even with extended use. Supplementing with creatine can cause the user to hold water, 
so some weight gain is expected, especially during the loading phase. Creatine has also been shown to have a positive impact on strength gain, lean mass gain, and performance for high-intensity exercises. Creatine may also be a viable option for vegans or vegetarians who do not get creatine in their diet and might be deficient in amino acids to efficiently produce it themselves. That wraps up today's episode on supplementing with creatine. Hopefully we were able to answer all your burning questions surrounding creatine and its effectiveness as a supplement. We're always curious to hear what you're curious about, so send us your questions, comments, and feedback to info at Please make sure that you subscribe so that way you can stay in the know of when our latest episodes drop. We are also now on YouTube podcasts, and you can listen to us directly on our website at primity.org. And as always, strength comes in many forms, from within and without. So be strong to be useful. Take care, everyone, and stay strong.